Jesus. Well, welcome this morning to the recognition of what it means to be a part of the royal family. I mean, welcome to something as outside of Welcome to the Lord, which is outside of so much of the dichotomy we see in our culture, but welcome to a place where we are part of nation building this morning. You're a royal people, a holy nation. Not nationalism, but a nation. No longer polarized to the left or to the right, but a royal people. Let's take a minute as we just warm up with the Lord and we're just thanking him this morning for drawing our families together to be together. We worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to have your way with us this morning. May your name be known and may you be made great. are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Oh, great is your faithfulness, Lord. A thousand generations that love you, you pour out your spirit on us. Isaiah 66, verse 5, hear the word of the Lord, you who respect what he has to say. Your countrymen who have hated you and have excluded you, supposedly for the sake of my own name, say this, say this, may the Lord be glorified. Then we will witness your joy. self-condemnation, no more condemnation outwardly, no more condemnation inwardly for full freedom comes to our soul this morning. We can be free and liberated in Jesus. No more pointing in, no more pointing out, but may the Lord be glorified. May we set our eyes on you. May we set aside every other sin that besets us, the weights that have tried to tie us down as we ascend into your presence. We set our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We set our eyes on you. May the Lord be glorified. We will witness and be witnesses of your joy, but every everything else will be put to shame. The sound of battle is coming from the city. The sound comes from the temple. It is the sound of the Lord paying back his enemies. Before she goes into the, to labor, she gives birth. Before her contractions begin, she delivers a man-child. Who 
Who's ever heard of such a thing that contractions would follow the birthing of a nation? Who's ever seen a thing like this? Can a country or a land be brought forth in one day? Can a nation be born in a single moment? As soon as Zion As soon as Zion goes into labor She gives birth to sons Do I not bring a baby to birth Opening and then not deliver it Ask the Lord Or do I bring a baby to the point of delivery And then I hold it back Ask your God be happy for Jerusalem and rejoice with your, her, all you who love her. Share in her great joy, all you who have mourned over her. For you will nurse from her satisfying breasts and be nourished. And you will feed with the joy from her milk-fed breasts. For this is what the Lord says, look, I am ready to extend to her prosperity that will flow like a river. And the riches of nations will flow into her like a stream that floods its banks. You, you will nurse from her breast and be carried at her side and you will play on her knees. As a mother consoles a child, so I will console you and you will be consoled over Jerusalem. When you see this, you will be happy and you will be revived. The Lord will reveal his power to his servants and his anger to his enemies. For look, the Lord comes with fire his chariots come like a windstorm to reveal his raging anger, his battle cry, and his flaming arrows. For the Lord will judge all humanity and fire with his sword, and the Lord will kill many. And as for those who consecrate, the ritually purify themselves so that they can follow their leader in worship in the sacred orchards. Those who eat the flesh of pigs and other disgusting creatures like mice, they'll be destroyed together, says the Lord. shifting the uh, power base in this nation. And the Lord will give this nation to the humble and the meek, for the meek will inherit the earth. Oh, we worship you this morning, Lord. We thank you for a transition, a transition in Zion. We thank you, Jesus, for all the new converts. As you begin a work in this nation, Lord, and the nations of the earth, for a great reaping of a harvest, many coming in out of the highways and the hedges, Make your house full, Lord. 
Build your house, Lord. in all the earth God nothing compares what can measure your strength what can measure the breath of your love what can measure you God we have nothing to compare nothing to even remotely compare to the wonderful kindness
favor can everybody like stand up go around and greet one another just give each other a hug and as we just warm up the room tell other people you know just say hey and warm this room up let's just go around and hug each other give each other if you see someone you don't know just say hey to them just reach out to one another
in my soul there's a well that you've dug cinder and smoke of a blaze where your feet had once set down oh ancient of days walk again in the garden of my soul of man cannot hide from your voice split like a veil the heavens lay your head down here with us bring us unto your threshing floor where is you who lives not us
I, I keep getting this picture and I want to address something called hope. Now, many of you in this room had, have been on with the Lord and you had planted the seed of faith of your life in, in the soil. And that seed was a painful thing that you held on to with your whole heart to believe Him and to trust Him. And you put it in good ground and you said, I trust you, Lord. waited and you waited and you waited until that seed germinated and you've been through many rounds of what have felt like death and burial and you experienced that in your life and you waited and you waited on a new day a day when you would come out of exile and you'd come out of the ground and you would bring forth something and you know the scripture says that hope deferred what it makes the heart what? Sick. And many of you have felt that deference in this room. The dream of your life or what you had hoped to see in your life has not, had not fully come in to be birthed. But yet you have remained faithful to the Lord and you said, I'll wait on you in the moment when nothing looks like it's producing life. And you've grieved over your past because it's been painful. And in that grief, many of you have felt that grief and experienced that grief that I don't know if who I am in God is going to finally be born into the newness of what he has for me. And you've looked at yourself and you've looked at others and you said, Lord, though, I want to trust you. And even many of you in here have said, even if you slay me, I will serve you. You said it out of your own heart. I've got good news for you this morning because I saw this in the Spirit. You in this room that are gathered here today, you had like this little bit of soil in your hand and there was something that has sprouted out of that soil and you were holding it in your hand. And I didn't understand this when the Lord began to plant us here in this ministry, downtown Asheville, because we had went through all these years of, it took years and years and years to burn the husk of sin off of that germination so that seed could come forth. And when the Lord began to tell us out in Saluda, we're going to advance downtown. And, and I was like, what is this? You know, there's this little, little tree that, or little plant that was coming up out of the ground. He's like, I'm ready to transplant something out of Sinai into Zion. Because behold, these days, these days, these days that are upon you that have been in exile, that God himself has allowed the remnant to be in, where he disciplined us in love and wanted to characterize us by a new life, the life of Christ in us, the hope of glory, that everything of the flesh will be swept away and only what the Lord could do would come forth. And the Lord has been taking this tender plant that is your life. And He wants to take it and transplant it into the ground of Zion. 
Oh, let me tell you the gospel truth. It's no longer I that lives. Ah, you get a hold of this message. It's no longer I that lives. But it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hey, you get a hold of this message. For even though hope deferred makes the heart sick, when desire cometh, it is the tree of life. It's no longer my striving. It's no longer my making it happen. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's the mark of Zion. Oh, I'm dead to this world. The world wants nothing in me. It finds nothing acceptable in me, and I find nothing acceptable in the world. That makes you a peculiar person, a peculiar people. You've been called out of darkness into this marvelous light. Now, let the sign fade away. We don't have to hang our harps in the willow trees anymore. We hear the song of Zion. We can connect to the hope of the life of the tree of who he is. No more effort. No more trying to live up to get approval anymore. Oh, we're loved and we're a lover. Jesus said, only do what I see my father doing. Oh, release the gospel in this room. The joy of the gospel message of true liberation and freedom. Paul, we're free. And whom the Son comes to set free is free indeed. I can shake it off. I can let it go. I don't have to live under that bondage anymore. of the Spirit of God this morning as we trust Him. I trust you, Lord, with my whole self. trust another person. I trust the person of Jesus Christ. I trust you this morning. I place my whole self to you, Lord, to trust you.
trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I release my life to you, Lord. I release my whole self to you, Lord. I'm, I'm going to address this. Um, you know, a lot of times when we come into an, you know, in a moment like this, I've been here many times. I want you to hear this, hear this, because there's a there's a movement of God's spirit here, right here for you, right now. God as he plans to bring deliverance um, yeah Lord listen been struggling with I have been struggling with this of being unaccepted and finding myself unacceptable I've been struggling with this a word he keeps sharing this with me he's like I want to 
bring healing into this place of being and finding myself unaccepted or being unacceptable. And there's a special grace for you here this morning to touch this place of vulnerability within this congregation to heal that place. Because on the other side of this, at least for me, for many years, I thought that if I went into the other side of that, it scared the living daylights out of me. But if you'll allow yourself to go there this morning, and one of the best things you can do is admit it. It's like you think that I need to hold this back in myself, but if you'll admit it, it actually brings the greatest liberation and freedom into your person. It's no longer hiding, but it's allowing yourself to be exposed. If you're dealing with that, if you've been dealing with that, I want you to come forward this morning. I want you to allow yourself to be exposed because the Holy Spirit is going to bring liberation to your soul this morning. I want you to come forward and say, I've been dealing with that emotion in myself and I want to be set free today. Because there's a freedom to be set free here this morning. Just come forward and stand. Don't be afraid. One of the greatest things I've, I've had to deal with this on a, in a platform. But allow the Lord to say, it's okay. I've been dealing with this emotion that I'm not accepting. I, I don't accept myself. Courages that you'll ever find in life is to find that you're acceptable even though you found yourself to be unaccepted. That it, that it takes more courage to do that than it does anything in life. A lot of people that are after courage and the alpha, the alpha personality and they can go and take down whatever but it takes the most courage to say I've been dealing with being unaccepted and yet I find that one will is that I find acceptance in him it takes all the courage the human soul's got you run the greatest risk there it's the greatest risk of the human heart it's the greatest vulnerability. Oh, we go there, Lord, with you. On the other side of this is light. On the other side is you. Oh, the great rescuer of our soul. Oh, the great redeemer. The one who loves us with a thousand loves. The one who accepts us. I don't have to hide anymore. I don't have to go into despair anymore. I don't have to turn in anymore on myself. I can be set free. My outward anger. 
Oh, I don't have to come out in bursts of self-protection anymore. My inward self-deprecation. Turning in on myself, I can't let it go. Well, I can be free. And whom the Son has set free is free. I pray for your mercy and your grace this morning to fall on this congregation. Oh, I want freedom. I want freedom to accept myself as the self that you made. I'm different. I'm not like everybody else. I don't want to be. I can accept who I am in you, Lord. No more explosions of anger of self-protection. No more turning in on myself in self-hatred. I want to be free. I want to be free.
pulling, his love is reaching, his tide is pulling, his love is reaching, his arms are grabbing, his heart is drawing, come unto me, 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 oh, his tide is pulling, his love is reaching, his heart is drawing, drawing, his heart is pulling, his love is reaching, his heart is drawing us from near, his tide is pulling, his love is reaching, his praise, oh, he's you come beyond what you think you see oh won't you come beyond won't you come beyond won't you come beyond what you think you see his tide is pulling his love is reaching come up here with me let's go his tide is pulling his love is his heart is drawing and deep yeah. and unto deep oh deep unto deep oh deep don't ignore drawings of those things deep inside don't ignore don't ignore him don't ignore don't ignore the drawing deep inside don't ignore oh it's deep unto thing he's singing over you obey trust him trust him and obey and step in and step in step in to him Deep unto deep, unto deep, unto deep. 
from glory to glory, further up and further in, further up and further in, oh, glory to glory, further up and further in, deep unto deep, his tide is pulling, his love is reaching, his tide is pulling, his love is reaching, his tide is pulling, his love is reaching. Come in, come in, oh. and the rivers rise, his love is flowing. Oh, my children, oh, come deep unto deep. Oh, Spend it all on Jesus. He always responds. Oh, he's coming to tabernacle within us. And his tide is pulling. His love is reaching. Our praise is calling. on the chains of my circumstance walk on the waves of the storm and I want to dance on the chains of my circumstance walk on the waves of the storm and nothing is impossible for those who believe that God is love and nothing is impossible for those who believe that God is love. 
Nothing is impossible I will live out These dreams you have placed in me Shout down the walls of fear I will live out These dreams you have placed in me Shout down the walls of fear And nothing is impossible for those who believe God is love Nothing is impossible for those who believe God is love Oh, God is love God is love And I won't be afraid I won't be afraid God is love God is love And nothing is impossible
Lord, we come to you this morning and we plead the blood in our land over and for the unborn. ask you, Lord, this morning, throw down every, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of who you are, every covenant-breaking act. We ask you to rid our land, rid our land of broken covenant. We won't covenant in our land. Raise up a wall of fire of intercession in our nation that won't back down, that won't quit. tell you what you're up against here right now. The Holy Spirit says this to me. This is what we're up against, family of David. Listen, 
the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And the iron point of his spear weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer was walking before him. Goliath stood. And he called out to Israel's troops. Why do you come out here to prepare for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are not you the servants of Saul? Choose for yourselves a man so that he may come down to me. And if he be able to fight with me and strike me down, we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and strike him down, you will become our servants and will serve us. The Philistine said, I defy your troops this day. Give me a man so we can fight each other. And when Saul and all the Israelites heard these words of the Philistine, they were upset and very afraid. We are not the family of Saul. <laughs> oh, you're of the family of David. Oh, the son of David. We don't need all their tech. The big weavers being. Hey, company of David. Who dares to come against the Lord of hosts and his people? I'm not going to be their servant, and neither are you, family of David. I'm not going to serve their foreign gods. No. I've been set free from the law of sin and death. I'm not a slave. We're the sons and daughters of the king. Hey, we got to do this together. gotta go down in our land break down the Pharaoh and the Goliaths in our land right here men and women of war we do this through the high praises our enemy comes down the people of God praise the Lord. Let the high praises of Yahweh sound. Oh, high praises. Oh, we are. We are. 
There have been many foxes that have spoiled the vine of intercession. But to get into declaration, you're not dealing with a fox, you're dealing with a giant. and overcoming this happening in you that won't let the foxes spoil the vine of your intercession with Jesus but you're a takedown royal people that knows how to take down Goliath you're the beautiful family of God oh you're the precious of the Lord you're the delight of the Father oh and he delights in you he says to me I'm so satisfied with my people He loves it when we partner with him and we get through the foxes and we get into intercession. We begin to believe him. We cast off everything that's trying to hinder us. But then I get to be in the company of a bunch of giant killers (laughs) who's not afraid to leave all your supplies. Yeah, that are fearless like you. David, it said he left all the supplies. He put off Saul's armor. He wasn't manning up. It wasn't like a American individualism or, or American ruggedness. That wasn't what David was. David had got a hold of the presence of God and he found his deep center in him. When he found him, when he found him whom his soul delighted in and he was delighted in how dare anybody talk about his daddy like that because he had wooed him in in the private areas out there in the field when no one saw him when he was alone and he felt his presence and he said I hunger for the very presence of the Lord he had become intimate with him he knew him and he was known by him It was out of a deep, immersed relationship of love with the Father. That's the heart of David. He's not offensive right and defensive left. Listen, he's after the presence of the man Jesus Christ. He tasted him and so have you. Like Peter did. Where are we going to go, Lord? He run the gamut of the edge and jumped over off the cliff and said, I want you more than my own life. And you have too. Forget all the little foxes, but I tell you, God's raising up giant killers in this hour right now that are taking down Goliath and we'll do this corporately. Whether we're understood or not, or they say, what are those people doing worshiping him like that? 
Like who knew that that was a methodology of war? We're not wrestling with flesh and blood. We're wrestling with every rule and power and dominion that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And man, I'll tell you, when the characterization of a people, they're like, get that fox off, get that fox off, because it's spoiling the vine of my mandate to be loved and a lover. And when you say, man, I'm done with all that, and I've got a single trajectory, Jesus, that's what you're doing. Yeah, we go through vacancy in these services. Sometimes you feel the drawback. But what you're doing is you're saying, let me encourage you. You're saying, I want him more. I want him more than my unacceptance. I want him more than what other people think about me. I want him more than what I think about me. Paul said, I don't even judge myself. Neither am I judged by no man. Think about that life. Free. Welcome to Zion. David got a hold of Zion. Jehoshaphat got a hold of Zion. Josiah got a hold of Zion. Esther got a hold of Zion. Ruth got a hold of Zion. Deborah got a hold of Zion. Joseph got a hold of Zion. The enemy can't do anything with a people that get a hold of the presence of God. And the Lord will release his power every time to deliver believe we believe together yeah I believe this Lord said this to me in 2006 I was walking out in the woods and I said what's it take he said all I need is one person to fully sell out I'll leave the 99 for the one But what happens when he gets a bunch of ones together? (laughs) Oh, what happens? You get a company with a heart like David. I mean, he showed me that one could shift the whole entire world. Jesus modeled it. Caiaphas said it, right? One man who would release his life. Caiaphas, the high priest, said just one man did this. It atoned for the whole nation. And he goes right for it. Hey, I I don't know if you have, and I'm not talking about ungodly ambition. But if you want to be ambitious, I don't mean in a, in a, I mean, Jeremiah 9, he said, hey, don't go after wealth. Don't go after strength. Don't go after more expert wisdom. He says this in Jeremiah 9. He says, if you're going to say you know anything, say you know me and you understand me. If you're going to go after anything in life, go after him. And you're doing it. You're saying, yeah, I want you more than, I want you more than my wealth. I want you more than my health. I want you more than to have all the intellectual postulates of the age, to have the knowledge abounding. I want you, Lord. 
That's the company of people I'm with right now. And the Lord is so satisfied with us. Even last week, he said, you know, don't ask me why anymore. And I thought, that's challenging. I mean, we've been defined so much by what, you know, what do you do? A lot of us men, especially, what do you do? First thing is, or where do you come from? A lot in the feminine aspect, who are you? We get beyond the doing into the being, and then we get into this great question, why? Why do I even exist? And the Lord said, I want to go, I want to meet you on the other side of that. Say last week, the triple entendre. There's so much deeper meaning when it gets beyond ourself into him. He's like, I was like, what's there? He says, I am. <laughs> What would happen if a people would let go of the what's, the who's, and the why's? I'll tell you what will happen. I am comes. Because we're not defining our existence anymore on our own. He is bringing the definition to our life, and it brings him great glory. Let me say that. Oh, he loves to define you and me because he created us. He wants us to agree with him. But why, Daddy? Why are we doing this? You ever told your children, if you have children, I don't need to give you an explanation. We're in the moment. Does that happen to anybody else or just me? Now, I'd like to give you an explanation, but sometimes I can't. God's like that. Not that he can't. But sometimes he needs you to move out in faith and act. And the why is going to come later. It's not going to come in front. That's called faith. And it's called trust. Yeah, but you told me. You know, I've heard. You told me to give all that money away. You told me to give my car away. You told me to go lay hands on the sick. You told me to jump out and do this and I can't. Uh, why? And he's like, just do it. You know, just go for it. And let the why be answered later. Let the what be answered later. Let the who be answered later. Let's just go for it. That's the people that will do great exploits. Faith is a title deed hoped for. It's the objective proof of an unseen reality. Everybody says, many people have said, no, faith is subjective. No, it's not. God, when he brings a witness to you, he'll bring a double or a triple witness. Deuteronomy 19. The Lord doesn't ask you to move out in faith ever on presumptuous or diffidence, I think is the other word, but he doesn't ask you to move out like that. He says, let me clarify to you, now move out. The Lord's not asking you to be super subjective. He's going to give you an objective proof from his word about what he is speaking to you through intimacy so that you can come into taking ground. Wait on the double witness of the Lord when he tells you to move out. Many people have saddled back with the Lord because they didn't wait on him and they moved out on what's called, David said, keep me from presumptuous sin. Help me not to move out on something that I'm not clear about. God is objective, folks. He's not subjective like that, but he'll meet us in our person. I want you to pray for someone who has great influence in our society right now, Dr. Jordan Peterson. 
And if you get on my Facebook, I want you to go on there and look at his uh, interview this last week. I was praying for him last week, and I I'm, hopefully don't sound, I'm not trying, to, I'm not taking credit for this, but I was so touched because I was praying for Peterson last week, and he gets on and he says, he can't figure it out how the objective and the narrative could come together, and he just starts crying. And he said, and this is supposed to be what Christ represents. This philosopher who's been like the 12 rules for life to counteract the left, and now he's got a book called Beyond Order to counteract the right. And the man's like, what am I going to do? And there's Jesus. He's crying and weeping, and he says it's terrifying to think about. Did you imagine the philosopher, they say one of the greatest philosophers of our age right now, converting who's been in all the institutions and everything going for Jesus. Will you pray for him? He has a real voice in society, as do we. But man, his conversion would be... And I was like, Lord, save him. Save him, Lord. Save him him just for so that he can have you and glorify you and delight in you, but save him when he was weeping. It's so moving and compelling to hear that man groan. You know, Elizabeth was saying, he's like, she says, sometimes people that have been in the church their whole life, they can't understand the depths of what our salvation really means. But a man like that, he'll know when God comes in. Get him, Lord! Get him! Get him for us, Lord! Oh, can you imagine? Oh, someone's like, it's not the right, it's not the left, he's the Lord! The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord great in power, he's my Lord, could you imagine? No more quibbling on right and left things anymore. Oh, he's like, I'm a royal. I'm a son of a king now. Yeah, Jesus, get a hold of him. Get a hold of all of us. Uh, yeah. Oh. Give me a soul, or just give me one. Just give me one. New convert. Help me to just dive into love with you and rescue one that's perishing right out of the depths of hell. Snatch another one. Baptize another one, Lord. Fill another one with your Holy Spirit. Lord, bring evangelism. you to get your inheritance, Lord.
that when the souls is wise, how deep and how wide is the love of God? A mile wide and a mile deep. Infinite in glory. breakthrough in the end of the age is God would bring forth his family before he would begin the great harvest listen it's different than what we've experienced in the past where we were trying to gather everybody into a family like to get them all saved listen God's going to bring forth a royal family a nation will be born then we'll go into travail you see the difference we used to travail to increase the family now the family will come forth and then we will travail why? Because God said make disciples, not just converts. The end of this age will be characterized by a wholeness in us first. Then the great reaping is going to come. Someone asked me for years, why don't you just get out there on the street and do your thing and evangelize? I was like, I don't know. The Lord keeps telling me, like, go after the structure of the family and the home and, and getting it right at home and getting our husbands and wives together and in love with one another and respect and getting our children where they're honoring their father and mother and we, we have strong family ties and we're connected with one another. Then out of the family, out of the household, I'll make disciples. God doesn't want just converts. He's into a family, like a whole family. He wants our families healed and families restored. Again, this morning, I just want to say congratulations for pushing through the obstacles, the mountain of obstacles that stands in the way a lot of times of our own soul, pressing on through, finding him in your life to be victorious and saying yes, and then corporately coming together and then fulfilling the will of God within this house. Years ago, the Lord had said, if you don't get through all of one t Psalms 110, 
It's, it's an unsuccessful uh, event. And I said, Lord, that's a tall challenge, especially for these guys on the worship because there's seven switches in Psalms 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit until I make your enemies your footstool. Many of us come in with enemies, whether internal or external, and we're dealing with that right when you come in the door. And so then, then there's this, you know, there's this submission to the Lord in that and a sitting. And there's this kind of rest that has to come in. And then, and then you begin to release the word of God out of your mouth. And that comes in Psalms 110 too. And then it says in three, the people shall volunteer in the day of your power and the beauty of holiness. You have the dew of the morning. And you'll feel the transcendence of God begin to come and move through the meeting. Psalms 110, four, you're a priest forever after order of Melchizedek. There's this union of male and female, bond and free, Jew and Greek in the soul. 110.5, the Lord begins to like deal with uh, national issues and political issues. And, you know, it, 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 he said he'll fill the place with dead bodies. He'll wound the heads over many countries. The Lord starts to deal through our intercession. And he moves us into declaration. Psalms 110 is a chiastic pattern. Who knows what a chiasm is? Okay. A chiasm is like there's seven verses. So three of them are like, this is a poetic thing, what I'm saying, a chiasm. The, three, the first three verses are like A, B, and C. And then verse 110.4, you're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, sits out at the very tip, and it's like um, D. But then in a chiasm, what it does, it forms like a point. So then you go back to C prime, B prime, A prime. And so it's, it's like this. It's, it's, it's like a, a, a spear or a tip of the spear. And so what happens with you and what's happened is just a little debrief to help you understand worship. Uh, Steve Sr. and I was talking about this this last week just to give you a framework for what happens in worship here and what we're wanting to accomplish together. As you're going through A, B, C, you're, you're hitting D, you should experience this relational just, whoo, goodness. I don't know how to explain it, but peace, uh, friendship with the Lord the joy of the Lord. Then he says, now engage in warfare. And you move from intercession to declaration. Most of the church usually just gets into 110-1 barely and gets the enemy under their feet when they come in. You know, and you know what I mean by that. Most of my experiences growing up, we sang a few hymns or whatever, and we really didn't get breakthrough. But sometimes we did. And you'll hear the song of the Lord finally go and the people go, but we need to move through intercession and declaration. So what you had happen this morning, and uh, I have to admit my favorite part is the declaration. You know, I don't know if y'all can tell, but I get really excited when the war part comes. And because part of leadership up here is to partner with you to get, into, to get you into a place of liberation where your mind gets cleared off and your feelings get cleared off and you're with the Lord and you're not thinking about the people around you and you're not thinking about yourself. Your biggest issue in worship will be those two things, to be cognizant of the people around you or yourself. And it takes some time to get through that. And we bumped up against it two or three times this morning. You can feel what will happen is we'll engage, you'll feel it go up and then you'll feel it bottom out or flatline. And when that happens, most people draw back and they shut the thing down. But we can't afford to do that. So when you come into these events, 
if we flatline and we go down and you feel a vacancy in the room, we're going to keep going. It, it may make you feel tired. Okay, I, because some people will experience tiredness because your soul's being processed. Honestly, what's happening to you, and I don't know if you know this, every time you come into one of these events, you're being processed in the Lord. You're receiving a, let's say, an upgrade. Or another way to put this is a transmutation. You're going through a dynamic shift in your person. I want to tell you that, not to scare you, but you will become a target of the enemy. I just want to warn you. Because he doesn't want you to be transformed. So when you go out of here, you need to cover your families in prayer. You need to be in the word morning and evening. Because you will be targeted, I just want you to know. And if you say, I'm not going back there. <laughs> you know. But hey, this matters in the end of the age that you don't quit. You know, there's a lot of guys that are Adam 1. And they, they're like, never quit. You, you read these books. Uh, you Can't Hurt Me. I just came out by David Goggins on Navy SEAL. Uh, never quit, special forces. Let me just tell you, you're in that kind of training. You're in the kind of training that's going to require you to get in the word and pray. You, you're going to have to go deep in love and humility and meekness to find your way during the week. And I just want to tell you up front, you will be challenged. You'll be challenged all the time. And um, I'm kind of shocked there's this many people here because it's challenging. And so I want to encourage you during the week, you get up in the morning, you get into prayer and the word. When you go to bed at night, you get in prayer and the word. In the middle of the day, you get in prayer and the word like Daniel did, three times a day. Uh, at least for us, it's like if I don't stay in the word all day long, I can't hardly make it. I, I'll fall apart because you're made for the word. And so you, you need him. And so I want to encourage you in that because when you become offensive in this sense, you start to declare through the high praises of the Lord, the greatness of our God. That's what I mean. You're a target. Um, because the enemy wants to take you out from whatever means. And he uses three primary means to take his people out. God's people out. Health, wealth, and relationships. That's the three ways. If he can get you into the cares of this world and riches of this life, he'll take you out like that. If he can get you into drop all your resources and poverty, he'll get you like that. If he can get attack you physically, he'll try. But now let me tell you, greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. And this is the victory that's overcome the world, even our faith. So you're going to have to walk by faith. You're going to have to not walk by sight. Do I have a company of people? <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Intercession, declaration. I love Psalms 110.7. And he shall drink by the brook and the way, therefore he shall lift up his head. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man had no place to lay what? When you come through intercession and declaration, you know what you're doing? You're giving the king permission to lay his government into your soul. And you're saying, I'm loyal to you. And I promise you, your loyalty to the Lord will be checked out. You will be challenged. 
to see will you be loyal in your integrity and your authenticity or will you be a fake? Will you be real when push comes to shove or will, you, or will your loyalty will be tested all week? Will it be the words of Jesus? I had this guy call me one time. He said, Carol, the Lord told me to call you. I said, are you sure? He said, yeah. He said, someone stole my whole entire unit of tools. And he had one of these boxes. He's a carpenter. They stole all his tools. And I said, are you sure the Lord told you to call me? And he said, yeah. And I said, do you know who it is? He said, yeah, and I'm going to get him. And I said, do you have any tools left? He said, yeah, we had some in the house. I said, go give him those too. <laughs> is that not what the word says? Do you see what I mean? You will be challenged. <laughs> go run him down and say, I bless you with some more tools. I didn't think you stole enough. And I love you. Bless you. I was like, the Lord might be trying to get you out of the, that vocation and put you into a better one. Don't let him, don't let, you know, I don't like you saying that to me. I was like, did the Lord tell you to call? He said, yep. I said, love you, man. I don't know if he did that, but still. See what I mean? God has a way for you to live called the Beatitudes. He has a Sermon on the Mount lifestyle for you to live out. Work that lifestyle. Don't work the world's lifestyle. Do his lifestyle. Amen. All right, let's take up our uh, offering and tie this morning. Uh, Jesus, I bless this house. I bless the seed that are sown. I bless the giving. I bless the fruit, Lord, that comes out of giving when we release our, our goods to you and recognizing that you give bread to the eater and seed to the sower. I pray great seed would come down on these families and bless these families in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you as you give. Give speed this up.
if you will bear with me, and I know normally we go longer than one, but if you'll bear with me this morning for 17 minutes, um, we're going to, I'm going to, I, I want to bring this word out this morning, and if you'll stand with me together, we're going to close out with this word this morning out of Luke chapter 3. Now let's stand together. Luke chapter 3, verse 7, So John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You offspring of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore produce fruit that proves your repentance, and don't begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God can raise up children for Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the tree. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So the crowds were asking him, what then should we do? And John answered them, the person who has two tunics must share with the person who has none. And the person who has food must do likewise. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. I pray, Lord, for your authority and anointing to preach this word and that it would open our ears and our eyes to see what you're saying to us. Lord, I pray for clarity to come. Thank you for the work that you've done here today. We just bless you, Lord, for being so good to us and being among us changing and shifting our perspective and our reality together corporately. I pray for your blessing over each person here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Hey, if, if you want someone to show up at your uh, what you're doing, you don't just come right off the bat saying, you offspring of snakes. Like, if you're seeker-sensitive, that and, and that's your modality within uh, God's work, that's not, the, that's not necessarily the way to attract people. You don't just go up to them right off the bat saying, you're a brood of vipers. Years ago, I was reading the testimony of this um, great preacher, and because I had become a student of preaching and a student of how do you, how do you change a geographic city? I mean, how, do, how is God's glory going to come into a city that literally changes the people outside of our four walls when we gather together? What kind of breakthrough can we get into with the Lord that could shake a whole entire city? Not just a revival, but a great awakening. And I, I started to study some of the revivals and awakenings of the past, and I, I stumbled across some really great guys like George Whitfield, you know, um, uh, John Wesley. Um, I found uh, a Wesley like kicked out of 11 churches or something. And I found Whitfield out there on a stump preaching out in the middle of a field. Uh, 
People were coming from all over the areas. And I, I started to kind of think, what happened to those guys that got them sort of kind of pushed out, out there into, you know, just in the middle of a field, just proclaiming the glory of the Lord? And uh, I remember coming across this man by the name of, uh, I believe, yes, it was John Wesley Redfield. How many of you have heard of John Wesley Redfield? Anybody? Okay, Pete, uh, Mom, uh, Henry, you've heard of John Wesley Redfield. I'd never heard of him, and there's not much to be said about him uh, except when you be in, the, in the first section of his life. And he had spent, I guess, well, this guy who does a, a biography of him spends about 14 chapters leading up, and then he'll have this big section that comes after this defining moment in his life where the Lord begins to really like get a hold of him. And one of the things that, and I can't, I got a few minutes with you this morning, but one of the things that characterized Whitfield was, is he became so hungry for the Lord uh, that he wanted God to like deal with him. And he, he keeps bumping up against his own sin and his own prejudice of other works and other ministries. And, and he draws back and he gets really offended with the Lord and he draws back and he goes into like a two or three year reversion and goes to study all the other religions and philosophy. And he realizes that this, you know, that that wasn't working for him, philosophy and theology or multi-different, you know, multi-different perspective on religion. And he decides in his heart that he's just hungry and he decides he's going to go back to the Lord. And then the Lord speaks to him and tells him to go to this meeting that was being had by these people who were a little wild and crazy. And Whitfield is, re no, excuse me, Redfield is really offended at the Lord that he would ask him to go over there with his people because he had judged them basically as not being in the presence of the Lord. He made this judgment on them. But nevertheless, the Lord had spoke to him, so he goes into this, uh, this uh, meeting and while he was in there, and they're acting a little bit crazy in there and wild, maybe it characterized us a little bit, but maybe even more so. And while he was sitting in his seat, he begins to repent of his judgment about those people's relationship with Jesus. And in the middle of that, all of a sudden, the presence of God comes down on him. And he talks about this experience of going out into this orchard by himself, and he said that it, it came into a vision of him, and he sees this great chasm. And on the other side of that chasm, he sees the cross. And on the cross, or right next to the cross, in the picture of the cross, is the Lord. And he said he feels his soul like move in faith, and it's kind of what was happening with us this morning. And he says, I trust you, Lord. And he goes to the other side and the Lord's standing there and he has, the Lord's holding him in his arms. And he said, oh man, he tells the testimony. He's like, oh, the presence of the Lord was holding him. He feels this wonderful joy in the presence of the Lord. And then he hears this lie in his ear and the lie says, it won't last five minutes. And boom, he's right back on the other side of the chasm. 
And he's standing there and he says he feels so empty and forlorn and just sort of vacated of God. And he's just like standing there. And, and then he comes up with this idea and he says, I don't care if it lasts just for five minutes. I'll take five minutes. Boom, he's back in the arms of the Lord. And what he finds is back and forth he's going, back between this sense of being left out and forlorn to he's in the arms of the Lord and he's experiencing Jesus' presence continually. But he says it was very offensive about the Lord because he was a plain man. Now we know God, Jesus, and his glorified state is not that way, but he said he was offended with the image of a naked God of a God who was, in his mind, there didn't seem to be anything special about him. The image that he saw of Jesus and was, um, was not beautiful to behold in his own mind. Next thing you know, boom, he's back over there on the other side. And see, I, I think, you know, Redfield, he, he'll say this, he's like, he didn't want to embrace the suffering Jesus. He didn't want to embrace the uh, Jesus who was uncomely. He didn't want to embrace the Jesus that he was a, afraid of in a way of crossing this barrier in his own soul. He, he was afraid. But the more he kept throwing off all the lies, he finds himself going back and forth until he finds that he's in the presence of the Lord. Oh, baby. He finds himself in the presence of the Lord and, oh, he talks about the delight of being loved by God. He said, I don't care what they say. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care about all this. I just want to be with him. He goes into that meeting that he was so offended by and the Lord tells him to testify. Oh, Lord, though, if I testify, this life of God and the soul of man will end with me. He gets up and he testifies. And the power of God begins to be released. What's beautiful is what happens to Redfield after that. He said it was like a perfect love came into him. No more forlornness. God had settled himself in that man's soul. And man, when I read that years ago, I said, I want that. You brood of vipers, right? <laughs> Who told you to flee from that? No, come into the depths of repentance. Don't run from it. Come to the great Savior who will, when you come in, you have to admit something that's wrong. Come in and admit your need for him. Come in and admit that, come in and let's admit that we've had, we've tried to put, excuse me, put God in our own image. Come in and admit our perpetual need of him. Who told you to flee from the coming wrath? You know what's beautiful? You know what happens to Redfield? They said that man 
would get up and preach. And this is what he said to the congregation. And back in that day, they didn't have Netflix and, you know, Disney Plus and Paramount Plus and all this stuff and entertainment like we do. So a lot of people that were unsaved would come out and hear a preacher preach then, you know, because that was like the entertainment. So there were a lot of unsaved people in the congregation. You know what he says to them? He calls them monsters of iniquity. (laughs) Now hear me. And he said, your life is so filled with iniquity that you can't even pray for yourself rightly. And because you can't, I'll do it for you. And they said Redfield would throw his head back and sob like a baby over the iniquities of that congregation. And I started to see something that Brad and I talked about this years ago. It was like an antinomy or like a paradox that God's wrath and mercy could come together inside of that messenger inside of us. That we weren't fleeing from wrath anymore, but we had the greatness of God's mercy coming with us in the same moment. And the Baptist, he had got a hold of both. God's wrath and his mercy. The Lord, like in his great desire, wanting to free us from our sin, but needing us to confess that there's a part you and I play in this, that we come to him and we say, Help! You know, we, can't, we quit making excuses for ourselves. We quit trying to justify ourselves. We finally come to a place of real, I need you, Lord, every moment and every hour of every day. And Redfield got a hold of that, and God took a man, and he put intercession and declaration in him in the same exact breath. He let his mercy and his wrath come into him, and you know what happened? The congregation of the Lord fell on their face. Many of them converting right there on the spot. But this was what was crazy. Outside of the four walls of that church they were in, men and women were falling down on the streets, passing out under the presence of God, knocked unconscious. And they said they had Redfield's disease. Because what would happen was when they woke up, if they had stolen from anybody, they'd go turn themselves in. And if they, if they were drunks, they'd go break all their alcoholic stuff and get rid of it. And if they'd hurt their families, they'd go change everything and make it right. And they were literally were going from death to life. John was saying this to the people. He was saying, listen... Listen, don't flee away from repentance. Repent and be baptized so that, Peter will say later, so that the times of restoration or the times of refreshing can come into your soul. Quit fighting with God. Navigate your heart towards Him and say, Man, I want you more than life itself. I'm tired of my objections I'm tired of putting up objections to everything all the time when I feel that pain hit me. I'm tired of turning inside on myself when the pain hits me. I want you. Let's stand together.
It seems like a really strong thing to say this, but he's saying, look, don't look to Abraham as your justification. We're telling our children this right now. Your mom and daddy can't save you. We were talking about this last week. Don't look at a leader and project yourself onto that leader. Hey, you're before God yourself on your own two feet. Don't flee from his presence when he comes to deal with sin. Let him have you. Because he says that he wants fruit to be produced. He has something for your life. He wants something to happen in your life of great and a tremendous value. And this is wild because the people are now, and maybe this is happening to you, but he says, what are we going to do? The people are like, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with this message, John? This is the craziest way to respond to me. You got a suit coat or a jacket? And you got, go get two of your jackets out of your closet and go give it to somebody else. I got a sermon for you now. You've been characterized and characterizing yourself by something that is a false way. He's saying, give up your false image and be characterized by me. You don't have to be characterized by these things. That You don't have to wear that coat anymore. You can let it go. I don't want a Babylonian garment. I don't want an Egyptian garment. Right? I don't even want... Listen, this was offensive for them. I don't even want an Abraham garment. I want a Jesus garment. I want to be justified by faith alone. I want to be clothed in righteousness. I don't want the clothing of this world. I want my clothing to be you, God. I want my skin to be you. I want my heart to be you. I want my insides to be you. I want to be like you. I want you. I want you to take care of my whole self. I don't want the characterization of the way you look at me to be characterized by something else. Give up your garments. Give up the garment of false humility and give up the garment of pride and take a garment of righteousness. Give up the objection and the subjection. I'm not going to be a slave and I'm not going to object to everybody that comes against myself. Say whatever you want. I repent. I'm tired of fighting back against everything that comes against me and presenting myself and making myself and protecting myself. I'm tired of the self-protection. I'm tired of the fig leaf. I don't want Adam 1. I want Adam 2. I don't want to be an individual personality. I want the life-giving spirit of the Lord. You see... 
one's coming after, he'll say, one's coming after me. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I want the fire. I don't want metaphysics. I want fire. I want Holy Ghost fire to burn hot in me. Open me up. Get a hold of me and make me a life-giving spirit. I'm tired of being stoved up and stopped up and beat up. and I'm tired of protecting myself. I want you, Lord. tired of being controlled and manipulated. I'm tired of controlling and manipulating. I just want you. Let the wrath come. Let real freedom come. God, burn out the sin. Burn out the propensity that's not like you and it's an image that's not of you. Take it out, Lord, right now. I give you permission. Don't be afraid. We'll run into your presence because on the other side, this is great love. Great love you can remain and abide in. Jesus prayed for it. I can abide in your love daily. I don't have to be like, oh, I got to work my way into love. I got to do another presence of God thing so I can get into love. I can live in love. I can live in love and be a lover. Give away your tunics. Give away your food. We won't have enough. Give it away. He'll give you more. Give away your clothing. Don't hold on to things. He's saying you got to let go. This is hard for people, especially if you come up in poverty. If you come in like I got mine and you didn't get yours and I got to protect what I got, it's tough for people. But I'll tell you the whole, it's release. When you release what you have to others to be blessed, to be a blessing, and fruit starts to shine, oh man, it's life-giving. Let go of your stuff. Quit holding on to yourself. Let's partake of communion together. Just um, Come and receive communion. We'll take communion together with all our families.
took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me took the cup and he said this is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you do this in remembrance of me may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace Amen. Bless you as you go out today.